Hello, Praise Chapel Paramount. Welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Omar Lopez. This past weekend, I ministered on faith and others. Proof of your faith is how we love other people. In fact, Jesus said, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And so how we treat others is the reflection of our faith in God. So let's remember to love others even as Christ loved us. Oh, come on, give Jesus a big praise this morning. Hallelujah. Turn around and just tell somebody you're in the right place at the right time right now. Well, again, we welcome all of you. We're glad you're here this morning. Uh, Are you happy today? Are you excited to be in the church? And I'm excited to be with you. Looking forward to what the Lord is going to do this morning, and we just appreciate everyone coming out. We welcome those that are watching online, so many that are watching on uh, Facebook and also on YouTube, and uh, it's just a blessing to be together with all of you folks. And we're going to continue here our series on Faith Without Walls, and this one's going to be a little different. Are you ready for it today? I believe it'll help you, and uh, as we go on with this series, we'll finish it out. I think it's next week will be the last message on Faith Without Walls. We started uh, back in July, and we just figured, hey, we're just going to go all the way through and uh, let it minister to your life. And so uh, this morning, uh, we're going to talk about faith and others, how, how our faith affects other people. And often when we talk about faith, we often think that faith is just something that we have in ourselves. In other words, it's the individual faith, it's the personal walk, uh, our personal faith. We often think about our faith uh, just to ourselves, and we don't realize that our faith affects so many people, and our faith, really, uh, how we act toward people is really a reflection of your faith. And Jesus put it in this perspective. I love what he said in John chapter 13, verse 35. He said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciple. Disciple is a follower, committed follower of God. If you what? Love one another. So Jesus said, one of the proofs of your faith is how you treat others or how you act toward others. And Jesus said, they're going to recognize you. They're going to recognize you're one of my committed followers on how you love one another. And so we've been talking about, uh, again, faith without walls, and we've been focusing on the book of James. And we're going to look at that, uh, James chapter 2, if you want to Turn there, you can, and we're going to have the, uh, the verses and scriptures on the screen behind me. But James talks about the same concept here. He even quotes this particular scripture on loving one another, the, the royal law. And he basically says uh, uh, one of the biggest problems that we have is how we treat each other. How many know your biggest problems are people that are around us, right? Getting along with others. I read this quote, and it said, to dwell above with those you love, that will be glory, but to dwell below with those we know, that's a different story. (laughs) Amen. And how do you get along with people, and how do you respect people, and how you regard people is really a lot of different things that we need to look at today, because believe it or not, how you get along with others is a reflection 
of your faith in God, how you act toward others. Uh, we talked about the last few weeks. We talked about uh, faith without works. We talked about fireproof faith. We talked about faith to overcome temptation. Uh, we talked about, uh, again, last week, faith that perseveres or faith that is patient. But today, we're going to be talking about how your faith affects other people. So I want to read a verse of Scripture, and then we're going to pray out of James chapter 2, verse number 1. It says, My brothers... As believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. So let's pray right now. Father, we thank you for the word of God. I thank you for the people of God that are here. And I pray that the word of God would come alive, that it would unfold in the hearts of people. God, that you'll just bring understanding because your word is relevant. It applies in 2020. And God, it applies to every part of our life today. Those that are watching, even online, I pray your word would minister to people. I pray the anointing of your spirit would be upon every word that I speak today and that the people would hear the voice behind the voice in Jesus' name. And everyone said... So whenever James, if you've been, again, we've been reading the book of James, whenever James starts saying, my brothers, he's getting ready to nail you. He's getting ready to lay one on you. When he says, hello, my brothers, amen, he's going to say something to you. And he uses the word here, favoritism. And when we often hear the word favoritism, we often get a negative vibe. I want you to just realize something that God does have favor on us. How many believe that? We want the favor of God. And whenever we talk about favoritism toward other people, we often get a negative vibe. And there's different kinds of favoritism. The kind of favoritism that James is talking about is he said, don't treat people with a biased favoritism or partiality or prejudice favoritism. In fact, the New English Bible says, uh, uh, don't be a snob, all right? Don't be a snob. Don't be a snobby or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and a snob is a person who, whose nose is turned up and looking down, right? Right? And, and basically, he's always thinking, he's a snob. He always thinks he's walking around looking at you like he always thinks he's better than you. You ever notice people, they put their nose up? put their eyes down, and they, they think they're more superior than you are. That's the kind of favoritism that James is talking about. So I want you to get the content, context of what the Scripture is saying. And whenever we hear favoritism, we go, oh, that's his favoritism, you know, this and that. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a biased favoritism based on partiality, based on prejudice, based on appearance. In fact, the Greek word that he uses here, uh, the Greek word for favoritism is to receive or to face literally means to receive somebody by faith or to receive somebody by face value only. In other words, you are basically looking at the outside. It's a superficial judgment that you're making on people. I'll read you another translation. It said, never treat anybody different. Uh, never, never treat anybody in a different way according to their outward appearance. And, of course, this is a common disease, social disease that we have in our uh, uh, society today is we often discriminate people by the way they appear. 
So let me give you some different ways that we discriminate against people. And I'm going to talk about appearance first because that's what we're starting off with already. We often discriminate people by how they appear because we are a society that puts a lot of emphasis on beauty. Our society thrives on appearance. It thrives on it. I mean, all you have to look is look at Instagram and all the filters that people are using. I mean, their chin isn't that curvy. Their skin isn't that smooth. Their hair isn't that bright. You know, all these filters can make the atmosphere and the tone of that picture look so good. And then when you see them in real life, you go, oh, my goodness, who is that person? I'm just saying... We do all of these filters in the name of appearance and the name of looking good. And God forbid that you would post a real picture of yourself because people would get a whole different take about you because the appearance is big. I mean, if you have a cute kid, you got it mate. But if you got a plain kid, tough luck. I'm just telling you. You ever hear people say, oh, man, that kid is so cute. And then they look at your kid and they go, your kid got character. He's got character. Yeah. That tells you something. We judge people often on appearance and how they look, how they dress, how they walk, and how they talk. They did a social experiment. I'm not going to show you the video, but if you want to stay for the second service, I'm going to show the video. It's about a, a little girl. She's six years old, and she's in Russia. What they did is they did a social experience with this little girl, and they put her out uh, in, in this main uh, city in front of the city hall there and uh, just kind of standing alone to see who would pay attention to her, to see if somebody would say, hey, are you okay? Are you lost? What's going on? And uh, they, they did this experiment, social experiment, to see how people would react to her, but they did two different things. The first one, they put her where she was well-dressed. She had a little hat on or a little dress on, and she looked really good. And so immediately people came to her and said, what's your name? Are you lost? And, and uh, they, they began to want to uh, nurture her, make sure she was okay, that everything was all right. Uh, where's your parents? You're here by yourself. Why are you here? She's six years old. And people immediately, the way she was dressed, immediately came to, to talk to this little girl and to make sure she was all right. But then she was an actress, and then they took her back, and then they covered her, her put stuff, make her face look dirty, put an old hat, put old ragged clothes, and they made her stand there by herself, and nobody came to ask her how she was. Six years old, same little girl, but this time she wasn't dressed. She didn't appear neat. She didn't look neat. She didn't look clean, and nobody came to ask that little girl what was going on? And she stood there by herself for hours, and nobody came to ask, any, ask her anything. First Samuel 16, 7 said, Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So how do you judge people? Do we judge people by simply their appearance? You know, when somebody, you know, is not saved, they don't have a, you know, they have a long beard and, and, and long hair. Do we just say, you know, Jesus saves and shaves, you know, or, or what, how do we look at people? You know, how do we judge people? Do we immediately begin to make judgments? And even Christians can get caught up 
in dressing for power, dressing for success, dressing your best, looking your coolest. And uh, I, I met someone who said, what I, what I choose to wear is just something that doesn't itch. As long as it doesn't itch, I wear it. Uh, but most people have to have something uh, uh, based upon how they appear. The second thing we make judgment on people, and I'm just going to use this word, is ancestry. And basically, we judge people according to the race according to their nationality, according to their ethnic background. And we've heard a lot about this in our country lately, and I'm not going to add to it, but I want us just to think about, do we have this uh, uh, bias in our mind or in our heart based on people's nationality, based on people's race? I heard about a man who went to a church one day, and he was trying to get in, and And apparently the church was full of bigots and they wouldn't let him in. So he went to the pastor and he said, Pastor, uh, why, you know, I want to know why they're not letting me in. The pastor said, just pray about it. About three weeks later, the pastor saw him. He said, did you talk to the Lord about it? And this man said, yes, I did. He said, what did God say? God said, he said, well, God said, don't worry about it. I've been trying to get in that church for 20 years and I still can't get in. So that's what happens. That's what happens. God's presence isn't in a place like this. The other thing that we often judge people's age, they're too young, they're too old. You know, that guy's too young. That person's too old. I used to think 30-year-olds were old when I was a teenager. Man, that's an old dude. And now I'm thinking, my goodness, what was I thinking? I must be the ancient of days today. I'm telling you. Uh, we, base, we, we, we judge people on achievement. Our society is excited about winners. We're excited about people who win, but we forget the losers. You can go from hero to zero in one day. Am I right? The moment you're a hero, everybody's praising you. The moment you become zero, nobody cares. Success and status is the big thing that people, they judge you on your achievement. And then the last one is affluence, which basically means your wealth. And we judge people by their wealth, whether they're rich or whether they're poor, whether uh, their economic status. And so if this person is wealthy, if this person is well off, uh, we often, if we're not careful, treat them better than the person that's not economically uh, well off. In fact, this is exactly what James is talking about when he's talking about faith. And he says we're judging people on their affluence, on their wealth. And he said, this shouldn't be. In other words, you're, you're doing, you're, you have this biased favoritism on the wealthy versus the poor. And this is what he said, James chapter 2, verse 2. Suppose the man comes to your meeting wearing gold rings, fine clothes, and a poor man, a shabby clothes, also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and said, here's a good seat for you. But you say to the poor man, you stand over there. Sit on the floor at my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves to become judges with evil thoughts? So we're talking about the nearsighted usher, right? He comes and, and all he's looking at is right there, that, how that person looks at that moment. The Bible says there's two strangers that walk in or basically two visitors because uh, uh, people don't know them and they come in and the scripture says there's this biased favoritism. Uh, as soon as the wealthy person comes in, and in fact, back then when you were wealthy, you would display your well, uh, many times they would put 
uh, gold uh, uh, things on their, uh, they would stitch it onto their, onto their clothing and they would have big rings because they wanted people to know how wealthy they are. And this is exactly what James is saying. This guy comes in, they called him gold-fingered, believe it or not. And so he would come in and, and the scripture says that they treated him better because he had fine clothes, he had all these gold rings. And then they found poor boy over here and they, they, they treated him like trash. Are you hearing me? He said, you come over here, you know, uh, and we often, if we're not careful, we, we see somebody and we judge them on appearance. There's holes in their pants, you know, they got B.O., you know what I'm talking about. They got all this stuff. He said, no, 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 you, you sit over here. And this is exactly what James is talking about. Uh, he says, what kind of faith is that? He said, you take this nice place over here, but you are under my footstool. You, you, basically a disrespect and a disregard. You, you sit right here or you, 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 you sit right here at my feet. I, I remember talking to a, a friend uh, at work years ago and he, he used to be a car salesman. I don't know if there's any car salesman here, but the car salesman, he was talking about one time where he worked in, in Porterville, I guess that's kind of where Fresno is in that area. A lot of farming, a lot of agriculture out there. And he said that this man came and this big guy had overalls, a kind of dirty white shirt, a, a grubby beard, you know. And, uh, uh, you know, his hair was uh, not really combed that well. And, and he kind of came on a, a, the, uh, the parking lot there. And my friend right away came and talked to him and said, hey, sir, how can I help you? What can I do for you? What are you looking for? And, 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 and the guy was kind of shocked. He goes, uh, oh, you want to help me? He goes, yeah, I want to help you. And he says, uh, sure. He goes, uh, he goes, well, I went across the street to the other dealership, and nobody would talk to me. Nobody would want to, didn't, they didn't seem to care. And I was there, and nobody was paying attention to me. He said, well, sir, we're here to help you. What can we do? And he said, well, I'm looking for one of those trucks over there. And he pointed out a truck, and he goes, sure, I, I, can, I can help you with that. And he goes, sure. And then he goes, uh, what kind of deal can you give me? And the guy says, I can give you. He goes, well, I need about 12 of those trucks. Is it 12? He goes, yeah, I own a company, you know, and I just thought I'd come buy some trucks from you, and I needed some trucks. He sold 12 trucks that day, and that guy had been an oncoming customer after that. He would buy all kinds of other trucks and vehicles, and he really liked my friend, only wanted to talk to him because someone treated him with respect. See, he, people were judging him from the outside. People were judging him on his appearance, and they missed an opportunity, so when we talk about treating people, here's what I want to say. I want to really qualify this because I want to teach you something. I'm not even going to get half to do my sermon here this morning. Uh, but, I, but I do want to teach you something this morning that I think many times we get it wrong and, and we don't get the right understanding. The greatest example of how to act toward people and how to treat other people is Jesus. How many can say King Jesus, right? He knows. Talk about relationship management. Jesus knew how to treat other people. He knew how to act toward other people. And here's a couple of things. You need to write this down. He treated everyone. He loved everyone the same biblically, okay? He loved them the same biblically. He valued everyone equally, okay? He valued them equally. Loved them biblically Valued them equally. 
But here's the one that's going to take you right here, and you need to understand. He didn't necessarily treat everyone the same. See, oftentimes when we talk about favoritism, we say, oh, well, you got to treat everybody the same. No, you don't. That's not true. You don't treat everybody the same. You don't treat your mom the same as this lady over here that you just met. You wouldn't treat a person you just met like your brother. You're not going to treat everybody the same. Why? Because it's your level of relationship with them. Am I correct? You're going to love them the same. You're going to value them the same. But you're not going to treat them the same because the different relationship levels that you have. So often we come into the church and we think, oh, he treats them better than me. But you don't know the history they have together. You don't know the bonding and the relationship. So you're not going to be. I, I understand that I'm not going to be treated the same in every setting. Because I may not have the same relationship with that person. So I, I know levels of relationship. I'll be treated differently. But I, I want to be respected. I want to be valued. Am I right? I want to be loved. All of us do. So we, what we don't, what we're not looking for, we're not looking for equal treatment. Okay? We get a lot of people that get it wrong. They, they want equal treatment. You're not going to get equal treatment. It doesn't work that way. But you are looking to be loved and you are looking to be valued. Let me show you why. There's a story in the book of Matthew where Jesus talks about the Lord of the vineyard. And in that Lord of the vineyard, uh, he talks about how Jesus says in Matthew chapter 20, this is what he says. He says, uh, one day a man that owned a vineyard went out and he hired a person at nine o'clock in the morning. And he said, let's just, for instance, he just said, hey, today I'm going to pay you $10. Back then, whatever it was, may, may have been even less than that. I'm going to hire you for $10. And that person said, he went to the marketplace and he found that guy. And there he is. He, he hired him at 9 o'clock. Then he went in the afternoon and he hired another guy. And he said, hey, uh, why are you here? Let me, I'll hire you for $10. He told him the same $10. He worked it with him. And then hired another guy at 3 o'clock and another guy at 5 o'clock. Okay, but he paid them all the same. Are you hearing me? He paid them all the same, the same amount of money. Even the guy that worked at 9 o'clock was 10, 12 o'clock in the afternoon, all of them. And the Bible says when they came to get paid, the, the last one got paid first. The guy that only worked an hour, you know, it, it came at 6 o'clock. The guy that only he paid him $10. So the other guy said, oh, man, that means we're going to get paid more money. And the, and the Bible says, uh, the Lord of the vineyard, the guy that was in charge, paid them all the same. And he says, why are you mad at me? He goes, didn't we make that agreement? What's the difference how I treat that guy versus how I treat you? If I choose to pay him the same amount and he worked less. How many know most of us said, that's not fair, right? That's how those kids go, that's not fair. But he said, why are you mad? He goes, I, I'm, I'm in charge of my money. Are you mad because I'm generous? And then he says this. The last shall be first, and the first shall be last. That's not fair. Am I right? Because we're looking for equal treatment. We're often thinking that we all have to be the treat, treated the same. You don't treat people all the same. Come on, let's be honest. But you're to love everyone. You're to value everyone, and you're to give everyone respect. Can you say amen? You got to define and align your relationships today. You got to know where they're at in your life. It, 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 it's not, it, and let me just give you an example. If you know someone, if you have a relative, you have a close friend of yours, and he asked you for your car keys, you're going to give it, but you're not going to let somebody just walk in the church and say, hey, can I borrow your car keys? Say, hey, I love you, bro, but I don't even know you that, that, I don't know you that way. 
That's true, right? I mean, if you're going to do that, man, give me your car keys then, you know. Are you going to just lend anybody money the same? Well, I'm going to treat everybody the same. That means you're going to lend everybody the same money. You're going to do all. You're not going to do that. And yet we cry for equal treatment. That's not, but we want, we want value and we want respect. This is what James is talking about. And he's saying that we're treating people in a biased way because of prejudice, because of basically whether they're wealthy or whether they're, they're, they're poor. Now here's a couple of things that I want to talk about relationship because I think it's very critical and then I'm going to move on as fast as we can. Each relationship that we have with people is going to have to be developed over time. So in other words, the more time that you spend with that person, the closer your bond. Okay? So time, you could just write that down. I made these up, so just hopefully it'll help you. Uh, um, you'll, you'll find that the more time that you spend with someone, especially in the good times and the bad times, in crisis, you're going you're gonna to form a closer bond than with somebody you don't have that time with, right? I, I've noticed that some people, man, they, they, they say, this is my friend from childhood. And, and they'll bring them and say, I've known this guy since, you know, I was 10 years old. And you could see the bond. That is a different relationship than this other guy that they've known for five years. This guy they've known from childhood, and they have a bond that you can't have. You don't have the time. Your relationship is going to be different. Am I making sense so far? Then, then, then in order to have relationship, we have to have touch. Say touch. That's why you, even right now, it's so difficult in the, in the pandemic that we're in because we're used to handshaking, we're used to high-fiving, uh, we're used to hugging, we're used to, well, that touch is so powerful. But as, as you touch others, it becomes a, a bond. And then trust is proven character. Over time, that person begins to prove his character. And you, you'll ever, you ever been to somebody's house, and, and, and the closer they are to people, that guy could just walk and open their refrigerator, and, and you're like, they're like, man, you just let him, yeah, well, we have that relationship. He comes looking at your face. He starts cooking, and you go, what, what's, man, what's going on? You know, well, you don't have that yet. You don't have that proven trust yet, but it will happen over time. It won't happen in my house, but maybe in somebody else's house. And then, then there's the tone. Then there's the tone. I put tone because your attitude, really, your tone, how you treat others, your tone and your attitude build a greater bond, okay? So when James is talking about favoritism, he's not talking about we have to treat everybody the same. I often hear Christians, they got to treat them all the same. That's not true. You don't do it, and neither did Jesus. Jesus had the 72 disciples, then he had the 12 disciples, then he had this inner circle. He had the three, Peter, James, and John. See? So there were different levels of relationships in how he treated the people. You get that? He, didn't, he, he loved the Pharisees. He valued them, but he didn't treat them the same as the disciples. They didn't have the same bond that he had. So again, we have to be clear on that biased favoritism. So here's a couple of things. When we have biased favoritism, when it's prejudice, when it's uh, biased based on their wealth and based on their appearance, it's unchristian. Can you say amen? James chapter 2, verse 1, I'll read it again. My brothers as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism, or I'm going to add bias favoritism. In other words, Jesus treated everyone with dignity. And if you look in the book of Acts, the Bible talks about how God wanted to break 
the racial barrier. There was the racial barrier because the Jewish people were coming to Christ, but Christ wanted, for God so loved the world, he wanted everyone to come. And so he, he sends Peter to the house of Cornelius. Cornelius is the captain of an Italian regiment. In Acts chapter 10, you could read it later on. And the Bible said that God speaks to him and basically, uh, or an angel, he sees an angel in the vision to, to go to the house of Cornelius and begin to declare the word of God. Well, Peter says, hey, man, this he's a Gentile, but he does what God uh, tells him to do. And it's there that the racial barrier is broken. The Bible says he begins to speak, and Cornelius says, man, uh, I seen in a vision you coming. He has his whole household ready. And they all hear the word of God with gladness and get filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a powerful thing that happened. The Bible also says, by his favoritism is unreasonable. In other words, it's illogical. He says, has not, James chapter 2 verse 5, has not God chosen the poor to be rich in faith and inherit the kingdom? Now, he's not saying that only the poor can be saved, Okay. He's not saying that God favors the poor over the rich. We understand today that poor people, we've, how many have been poor? How many have been poor without the R? Poor. You've been poor, man. You've been like, wow. You've been, you, 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 you beat the poor guy. Amen. You were really poor. So anyway, we've all been there. But, he, but here, he's not saying that, that God's not trying to reach the rich. But in reality, you want to know the reality? None of us in this room are, are poor compared to the rest of the world. In fact, if you want to compare us to the rest of the, uh, rest of the world, we are at the top 10% or 1% of the richest people in the world. So we know that he's not talking about that your salvation is based on your saving account. He's not talking about that. He, he is saying about the openness to the gospel, but he, he's also saying that we're not to treat the wealthy more, give them special treatment over those that are poor. Your value is not based on your valuables. Don't confuse your net worth with your self-work. Can you say amen? So God is saying to you that everybody is valuable. Everybody is important. Now, everybody is to realize this morning that you're valuable, but don't begin to base your value you on your valuables a lot of us this morning if we're not careful we begin to really get caught up in the valuables that we have I, I, I drive a car but it's not based on having status it's based on having a good car am I right you know I, I, don't, I don't have a watch on now I have a few watches that people have given me I don't even think I've bought a watch so far I've got watches that people have given me and, and when I wear a watch I wear a watch not to impress people but I, I usually wear a watch just to tell time, just to find out what time it is. So it doesn't matter where you get your clothes. doesn't matter where you buy your clothes. You're welcome to Praise Chapel Paramount. How many can say amen? So again, we're not to be biased in uh, because somebody's wealthy, somebody's poor. This is what he says in James chapter 2, verse 8. This is where he begins to quote Jesus. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture... Love your neighbor as yourself. What? You are doing right. So when you've learned to love other people as you love yourself, the Bible says, you're doing right. And I love this law. They call it the golden rule or, or the royal law. And it goes back to the scripture of Jesus in Matthew uh, chapter, uh, let me look here, chapter 22, 
where they come to Jesus and they're asking him, what is the greatest commandment? They ask him, what's the greatest commandment in the law? In other words, uh, tell us what's the most important thing in the book. And Jesus replied this. He said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. So the number one thing you're supposed to do every day of your life is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. How many can say amen? And then he said the second one, in other words, the most second most important thing in your life is this. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said, all the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. So Jesus is saying... If he could summarize the entire Bible in two sentences, and if we could just put it on your forehead and slap it or on you or text it to you or post it on Facebook, this would what it be. It'd be two sentences. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. These two things hang the entire law of God. The two most important things. You're supposed to love God, and you're supposed to love others. So you're supposed to have faith in God, and when you have faith in God and you love God, that ought to reflect in your relationship with others. If this is right, this needs to be right. If this isn't right, this ain't right. Don't tell me how much faith you have in God and you don't have this right with people. You hate people. You can't stand people. You're mad at people. You hold grudges. You're unforgiving. This, this can't be right. That's a contradiction. Oh, we, we get a few golf claps. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. There it is. <laughs> Got it out there, about 100 yards out there. Poof. For a minute there, I, I, w- I thought I was hitting the grass, man. Because you hitting grass, chunks of grass going everywhere. <laughs> well, hallelujah. I, I'm not going to get through this sermon today. I, here's a couple of things that I just want to tell you, and I'm, I'm just going to skip down to a couple things. I want the worship team to come up. Here's the key I believe that James is saying. If we're to be people of real faith, we're just to accept everybody. Are you with me? We're accept everybody. Now, when we talk about acceptance, oftentimes uh, acceptance is not approval. So we accept everybody, but we don't necessarily approve their lifestyle. Okay? Jesus accepted everybody, but he didn't approve their lifestyle. Okay? When that woman that was uh, caught in adultery, they brought her to him. They were condemning her. And, and of course, he said, he without sin cast the first stone. They all walked away. He said, who, who's, who's here to condemn you? She said, no one. Lord. He goes, neither do I. He said, but go, what? And sin no more. He said, stop doing what you're doing. I love you. I accept you. But you need to change your ways. And so we accept people as they come. However they come, however they look. Can you say amen? amen. We, we believe that the church is the hospital for sinners, not a hotel for the saints, right? We believe it's a place where people could come and they belong. Again, we've always said that most churches, when you come, you have to believe. And then when you believe, you start behaving. And when you start behaving, then you belong to the church. We believe as soon as you walk in, you belong here. And we're praying... That as you belong, you're going to start believing. And when you start believing, you're going to start behaving. And then you're going to become what God called you to be. That's what we believe. We believe in that. 
We believe in accepting people. And second thing, write this down. I'm just rushing right through it. We need to appreciate people. We need to appreciate the people that God has put around us. I, I believe today, man, people come in all kinds of different flavors, right? Like 31 flavors. But we need to appreciate them. Aren't you glad that it, we're not all vanilla? Aren't you glad that we're not all chocolate? Right, can you say amen? I, I just said that. Well, aren't you glad we're not all strawberry? That we're all not just one favor. There's a lot of fav- fla- fla- flavors in here. And people are different. Appreciate them. Appreciate the differences. I have, I have six brothers. Seven, all, all, all of us are seven. And all of our, uh, all, all my brothers are different. And I just love that. And it's really helped me to pastor. I think I shared this before. Because of my brothers all being different and they have different ideals, different takes, I've learned to accept different people. I've learned to accept people, different, different opinions, different thoughts, because I have six brothers. They all think differently. They have different backgrounds. They have different uh, uh, places that they've worked, uh, different experiences. And uh, I have five of them that are older than me, and then I have one little brother. And um, we, we, have, we have all these different relationships. It's helped me. I didn't realize that it helped me pastor because I, I can meet people and, and, you know, I can just find some kind of common ground even if they're totally different than me. And I've been around where people say, man, why are you hanging around with that guy? Why are you talking about him? I go, what's the problem, man? Great, you can learn something from that guy. You, you, maybe you might benefit off of that relationship. You never know. And they just can't seem to make the transition. So we need to appreciate everybody. And, and the third thing is we need to affirm one another. We need to build each other up. I said, we need to build each other up. That's what James is saying. James is saying, stop having this biased favoritism. Stop letting this divide come. That's not people of faith. People of faith affirm each other. People of faith appreciate each other. People of faith accept each other. They build each other up. So let's pray. Let's bow our heads. Close our eyes for just a moment. Father, we thank you today. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Lord, most of all, you've accepted us. God, today we were totally lost. God, we totally don't deserve your grace. We totally don't deserve your love. And God, you're willing. You were willing, Lord, to receive us. You're willing even to give your life. Jesus gave his life for us. And so, Father, we thank you for that love. We thank you for that grace today. And, Lord, we need to do the same for others. So if you're in this room right now with every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment, maybe it's your first time here. Maybe you've come before. Maybe you've been here a few times, but you've never made a real commitment to God. You've never given your life to Jesus. Today's your day. Can I tell you something? Don't leave here without Christ in your life. The great thing about God is he loves you and he knows everything about you and he accepts you as you are right now. Whatever hangups you got, whatever thing going on you got going on in your life, God loves you just like you are. But he loves you so much that he won't leave you like you are. He'll forgive you. He'll change your life. But he won't force himself on you. So you need to come to Christ as you are right now. You need to be willing to surrender your life. And he's reaching out to you. I don't believe you're here by coincidence. I believe God brought you here. You're here in the middle of a pandemic. You're in church. Who would have thought? That must be the Holy Spirit. And so maybe you're even watching online. We just want to tell you today, God loves you. He wants to come in your life. 
And so if you're in this room right now, you say, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life today. Would you just raise your hand? Is there anyone at all right now in this room? You say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I need Jesus in my life. I need to commit my life to the Lord today. I believe God loves me. He does. Just raise your hand right now. Just say, that's me. I need the Lord in my life. Is there anyone at all right now in this room? Maybe you were walking with God at one time, but you're not walking with God today. Somehow you, you got distracted. You, you, took a, you took a wrong turn and you're not walking with the Lord. You need to come back to Jesus. You need to rededicate your life to him. Who are you right now? You'd raise your hand. Is there anyone right now? So that's me. Somebody back there. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else this morning? You need to rededicate your life to Jesus. We don't want you to leave here the same way you walked in. God loves you today. Who else today? You say, I need the Lord in my life. Raise your hand. You won't be alone. Or you just need to rededicate your life to him. Raise your hand. We, we want you to, to know today that God loves you. We want to encourage you that, you know what? God cares about your life. You're important. You're valuable to God. He loves you. You raise your hand. Look up at me over here. Somebody raised their hand over here. Would you look up at me? You mean that over here? We want to pray with you. Would you come? Maybe somebody encourage that person to come. I, I can't see them, but whoever they are, they can come. Why don't we all stand together? Whoever they are today, they can come. If not, you can pray with them where they're at. So we're going to do one more thing this morning as we worship God together. You know, all of us this morning have some bias in us. Come on, let's just admit it. We do. Sometimes we do judge people by appearance. And sometimes this morning we judge people by their age. We judge people by their affluence, by their wealth. And, or sometimes we may even judge people based on their ancestry, on their, on their race. Maybe sometimes we have just a bias because there's things in our lives that we've already formed. Maybe we've learned that we need to unlearn. Say, God, I don't want to have that bias toward people. I, I, want, I want to be able to look beyond the surface. God says he looks at the heart, not at the outward. Can you say amen? And you'll be surprised, some people that walk into this church, they look totally different than what's really in their heart. And then you start talking to them. And they're soft people. They're people that are broken, that need God. But on the outside, they may seem rough. On the outside, they may look really bad. But they're just people just like you and I. Let's not judge them. Let's reach out to them. Can you say amen? And so we're going to pray. We're going to pray. And he's going to lead us in worship. And if you want to just come and pray, ask God maybe to use you, that you'll be that instrument. God, I don't want to judge people. I want to reach out to people. Help me to look beyond the surface. Help me, God, to, to be that instrument to minister to people. I want to be able to pray. I want to be able to talk to people. I want to be able to reach out to people, whoever they may be. God, you know what? Set me free from some biases that I have in my life. Some things maybe you've learned through the years that have just been wrong. They're not good for you. They're not healthy in your walk with God. They interfere in your faith today. Just come right now as we continue and he leads us in worship. Just come. Hallelujah. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, Follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.